welcome to the Ghostman Radio show Station. And I'm talking to Nancy, Nancy Hartwell, an international recognised authority on human trafficking and the 20th century sea slave trade. She has been more than 700 radio interviews in 30 countries on the topic, written three books about victims of crime, including Hey Arm Slave, which reached number seven in all fiction on Amazon. She's travelled to 45 countries and speaks a dozen languages. She and her husband are distinguished attorney from Cameroon, were the first chocolate and vanilla couple to marry in the state of Maryland. Their daughter, Rebecca, I can't even pronounce her second name, I'm not going to even try, has been selected for the twelfth time as one of the hundred most influential people in Africa. Nancy lives in Tampa. Hi, Nancy, and how was your day today? My day has been lovely and busy. It's 75 degrees here in Tampa. I was working outside in the in the garden. <laughs> I'm still pinching myself. Wait a minute, this is December, and I'm working in the garden. But it was lots of fun. Um, now, I'll start with the first question. Um, how did you get interested in this topic? Well, I had a friend who disappeared. They found her bicycle next to the road, but nobody heard from or have seen Ursula since. And several weeks later, we heard rumors that she had been sold to a sultan in Libya. And it was the only explanation that made any sense at all. Well, this was about 45 years ago, and at that time, I was a pretty cute blonde myself, and I kept thinking, holy Toledo, that could have been me. So I started collecting stories, and over the years, this I've, I've been bombarded with stories about this topic. Once people know you're interested in it, you've got lots of stories. And I noticed that they formed distinct patterns. And so many years later, I finally had time to sit down and weave these stories together into my three books in the Human Trafficking series. I'm going to put two questions combined here, because I think they're sort of very similar. Um, who is more likely to vic- be victimized, and is it mostly connected to the sex trade? Well, the sex trade is what gets the most publicity, and of course that's an extremely serious problem, but labor slavery is far more prevalent. Uh, young men who are lured... Uh, by promises of wonderful jobs. Uh, there are recruiters who go to poor countries and and promise fa- fabulous jobs with good pay, excellent benefits. The families give them going away parties because they'll be able to send money home. They sign what appear to be perfectly legal labor contracts. Their transportation is paid to the place where they're going to work. And as soon as they get there, suddenly everything changes. Uh, They confiscate their travel documents. They rip off the contract. uh, They keep the young men under lock and key. For example, the World Cup finals that will be played in Qatar in the year 2022 The facilities for this event are already under construction. 
with slave labor. The guys are sleeping on concrete. Conditions have been so horrific that they have been averaging a death a day, and hardly anybody knows. The fishing industry in Southeast Asia is heavily dependent on slave labor. Same exact scenario. The, and if you have seafood in your freezer from Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, um, there's one more country, uh, or Indonesia, there's about an 80% chance that it involved slave labor. They go to Laos, Cambodia, the poor countries, once again promising fabulous jobs, and when the guys get there, suddenly all the rules have changed. And if they don't perform, they simply dump them overboard. Hmm. But that is not to minimize the, the sex slave trade, which is also extremely um, prevalent and, and a, a very serious problem. But young men and young women are at risk, both for the, the labor slave market and the sex slave market. Just a few weeks ago, there were two teenage boys in St. Petersburg, right across the bridge from me here in Tampa, who were rescued. They had been lured by promises of, of a much better life, and then they were held as sex slaves in, for some homosexuals. So young men and young women are both at risk for So, what are the most common ways that the predators lure and trap? Well, I suppose we can call them victims, because they are. Yes. I, mean, I, I don't like that word sometimes. That's, I, I've got to, you know what I mean. Well, it's a closet. 
and he dumps her in and locks the door, calls the broker, who is probably a member of the Russian mafia. Um, they used to just operate in Russia and Eastern Europe, but they noticed that there was a vacuum, so now their tentacles are everywhere. And within a few hours, she's drugged and probably crated up labeled some kind of industrial equipment and on her way to a harem or a brothel in the Middle East. That's the most typical scenario. That's pretty scary. Now, um, obviously as parents we do try to address to talk, say to our kids, don't talk to strangers, be aware of people, blah, blah, blah. But obviously we know with the power of the internet now, you don't see the people behind the strangers and they're very as you said very good at tempting the kids around um there are even predators now working behind these online video games yeah like uh, uh, Fortnite and places like that yeah and now you can communicate with the people you're playing with and and they will often say hey meet me uh, let's let's play ball together or something. You know, a 45-year-old is pretending to be another 12-year-old. And let's meet at such and such a park. Uh, you know, and and the kid goes. Uh, so parents, please monitor your your kids' social media sites and these games because there there are lots of wicked people out there who are trying to trap young people. So what would you say people can do to protect their kids from this? Well, first of all, talk to them about it. Uh, we Somehow parents are very reluctant to talk to their children about this because they don't want to traumatize them. But there's a danger there. And if we don't explain the danger to them, we're putting them at increased risk. We talk to our kids about don't cross the road without looking both ways because there's danger. We tell our kids don't put your hand on a hot stove because there's danger. Well, guess what? There's danger here too. It's not just don't talk to strangers, although that is very good advice, but these guys know that parents have done a pretty good job of drilling that into their kids' heads. So they've devised some very sneaky ways to get around it. For example, a girl is on a bus. A guy sits down next to her, starts groping her. She gets mad. He gropes her again. So a guy a few rows back says, Hey, mister, keep your hands off that kid. And he pushes him out of the way, and then he sits down next to her. Well, have you ever told your kids not to talk to heroes? They were working together. And in 30 seconds, guy number two can extract from her all the information he needs. Where is she going? And is somebody going to be there to meet her? Uh, or they'll flatten a tire at the parking lot. Of, they, they'll watch and see a, a girl go into the mall. They'll let the air out of, out of one of her tires. Then they just happen to be there when she comes back and they offer to fix the tire for her. Well, while he's fixing the tire, they strike up a, a pleasant conversation, right? 
And so this is another way to get around, don't talk to strangers. They create a problem and then they solve it so that they can be a hero and try to break that stranger barrier. So uh, we need to warn our kids about that too. We can say thank you very much, but we don't have to reveal any information about ourselves um, when we're grateful for the assistance that, that these uh, strangers provide. If they're looking for a little kid, they'll say, oh, my puppy is lost. I think she's in those woods over there. Can you help me find my puppy? Well, we raise our kids to be kind-hearted. What kid doesn't love a puppy? And so the kid is thinking about the puppy, not, wait a minute, I don't know this guy. He's a stranger. I shouldn't be talking to him. He's thinking about the puppy. And these predators know that the kid is thinking about the puppy. Sometimes they'll go to a school when it's letting out. And they'll find a kid with um, something personalized, like a book bag or a baseball cap or something. Oh, Billy, look, um, your mom couldn't make it here today to pick you up, so she sent me. Well, have a family password. If yeah, so, so like a word that nobody could associate with anything. Not an easy one, but right. a hard one, yeah. Right, well, um, if, if, if the guy doesn't know the password, then Billy knows not to leave with him. And run like... Very simple way of of protecting your kids against some of these traps. I I think it's clever. And um, where do um, obviously I live in the UK, so obviously you live in America. But where uh, can people get more information about this subject? Well, um, I have a, a five part uh, course about human trafficking and the modern day slave trade on my website uh, you can just click on the tab and and it's a, a five part course about uh, all, all the different forms that it takes these days how prevalent it is um, what parents can do there, there's even a picture a really scary picture of a Filipina maid who was lured to Saudi Arabia thinking she was going to have a lucrative job. Well, she served coffee late one morning, and so they poured boiling water all over her. She oh, God. With second-degree burns all over her. Yes. Um, these people lead horrible, horrible lives, um, and they are at the absolute mercy of the idiot who claims to own them. Um, and, and if they die, oh, darn, that one broke, we just have to get another one. Um, so, um, my website is nancyhartwell.com, and you're welcome to, uh, to go on there and download the course. I also send out a, uh, a newsletter every now and then, and if you would be, uh, like to be added to my circulation list you can send me an email and I'll, I'll send you copies of the of the newsletter yeah I've just signed up to your course 
Oh, so because uh, you've fascinated me by by listening to this, because obviously it's a subject. If you, unless you know about it, you don't talk about it. This is why, like, like through podcasting, you can find out information that wouldn't necessarily be e- easily available. message in there I mean you can't you can't talk about trafficking and make it nice <laughs> you can't make it oh Johnny went to see Johnny Fred down the road and Fred was not very happy with him and decided to kidnap him and put him in the back of a van but he was smiling all the way <laughs> the hardest part about writing these books was um well, you can't talk about the life of a sex slave without saying certain things out loud, uh, but I tried to keep them in relatively good taste. Uh, my principal uh, goal was to show the horror, um, but and that's hard to balance with keeping them in good taste, but I did get one one-star review from a guy who was extremely upset he said, I thought this book was going to be pornographic and it did not deliver. So I guess Oh, well, I sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I was talking about that. If you wanted to read that, go and look it up on Google or something. Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously you put um, us as ordinary citizens. How can we help fight these criminals?
And, um, of course, law enforcement tries to keep up with these with these predators, but unfortunately, we have a very spotty uh, system of law enforcement. One county might crack down on on predators very hard, but the county next door isn't quite as strict, so the guys just go to the county next door. Um, recently, here in Florida, they uh, rounded up more than 200 people who were involved in a child pornography ring and these people involved one deputy sheriff, a couple teachers, a pastor, a school counselor, people who had put themselves in a position to be able to have free access to young people, people we thought that we could trust with our young people. Um, but these organizations are always looking for financial support. They're always looking for volunteers. And But in each community, it's a little bit different. So um, check around and see, see what organizations are in your community. Read up on it. And, and you can give presentations to community groups like the Kiwanis Club or a church group or something to educate the public about it because this topic is underreported and and it's serious enough that it should be near the top of everybody's consciousness. And what, uh, um, obviously, uh, what do you think the U.S. government could do legally to try to stop all this? Well, governments do try, but they're usually overwhelmed by the numbers. For instance, the FBI has a special uh, unit that's, that's devoted to human trafficking. Uh, but but the, there are lots more traffickers than there are law enforcement. <laughs> and um, it, it's, it's really hard for them to take care of all of them all of the time. Now, many communities also have task forces <coughs> that <coughs> combine resources from across the spectrum of the um, agencies that would be interested in this, like law enforcement and then human services and, and you know, youth uh, support agencies, etc. Um, and I, I used to volunteer for a task force like that when I lived in Maryland, uh, and so this combines the, the, the forces, and that is a very, very good approach. Um, I would like to point out as well, um, there are lots of massage parlors and nail salons normally run by either Vietnamese or Chinese, and these places often have rooms at the back where they offer um, additional services. Um, you may recall recently that the, the owner of the Patriots football team was caught in one of these places uh, where he had evidently paid for sexual services 
Now, um, the Chinese and Vietnamese are extremely well organized. They have some people who are specialized in making the business license application look like a perfectly legal, legitimate operation. They they get a place in a mall next to an ice cream shop and a and a hair salon. Um, they have others that are specialized in quote recruiting. Um, they have others who are specialized if they get word that there might be a police raid in knocking one of these places down in like an hour or an hour and a half to avoid the police raid. Um, the girls are normally <coughs> kept in the basement, then they, they sleep there, then they go upstairs to work, then they go back downstairs to the basement to sleep, then they go back upstairs to work. If they start <coughs> learning English or start making friends with some of the customers, they're immediately transferred elsewhere. They're brainwashed to be scared to death of anybody in a uniform. This problem became so severe in Canton, Ohio, believe it or not, that when the police would raid one of these places, they would take a Mandarin interpreter with them to reassure the victims of this crime that they were there to help them and not make their lives more miserable. I see you do a hell of a lot of work with your your husband, and obviously um, uh, going over to Africa, where you must you've learned quite a lot of languages. I mean, I'm impressed with that. I can't. I I struggle with English, let alone learning languages. I love, I love languages. I love words. Um, every word that I learn, I learn Yes, they're very underrated. I mean, the real horror, the, the real, what fascinates me about the Brothers Grimm, if you actually read their proper fairy tales, not, not the Hollywood versions, they're very, they are literally very violent. <laughs> Amstel River. 
B's and P's are always changing, like triple and treble, and calibrate and caliber. Um, uh, F's and P's, like in many Asian languages, they don't have an F. So coffee, all over Asia, is coffee. <laughs> um, but once once you learn some of these uh, these rules about how these consonants change, it's a lot easier to figure out what a certain word might be. For example, I was looking at a map of Mongolia one day, and I saw the word polgoi, and I asked a Mongolian, "Is there a turquoise mine there?" And he said, "Do you speak Mongolian?" And I said, "Not one word." But I recognized that Todgoy was a probable variation of turquoise or turquoise. Wow. And, and it was. <laughs> hmm. So I just love uh, poking at words and languages. Um, um, when I lived in Cameroon, I lived there for 14 years. I learned to speak reasonably well. Eight. Um, of the languages in the country. There were more than 250 languages in Cameroon. It's I also like the way you described your marriage, because a lot of people would be thinking, chocolate and vanilla, but I know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, uh, we were the first couple to get married after Maryland had repealed an anti-miscegenation law that was part of the civil rights movement in the in the 1960s. We had no idea that we were the first one. We were so busy with final exams and Henry was defending his dissertation and uh, we were planning for a you know, transcontinental move. Um, it was, we, we were shocked when reporters started showing up at our, at our door. <laughs> but, but it is a historic fact, yes, we were the first chocolate and vanilla couple to get get married there. I commend you for that because you're talking of a period that most people wouldn't realise today. I know we go on about racism today and I know it still exists but to an extent back then it was probably 10, 20 times worse. Oh yes. Well we got hate mail but we also got some very nice I don't quite get that, but hey, what do I know? And a filth. I know, I know. But yeah. I, obviously, you don't, you ignore people like that, because they're not, they're not the majority, unfortunately. Right, and when I got to Cameroon, I was welcomed with open arms. Uh, my family-in-law, they were absolutely wonderful. In fact, I'm still in touch with many of them. Um, Henry and I ended up being divorced, but uh, I'm I'm still I'm still in touch with many of his of his relatives. In fact, um, one of his nieces found me in when I lived in Maryland, and and she stayed with me for nine years. <laughs> uh, um, 
another niece and nephew, a brother and sister, stayed with me for six years. So um, I'm still very much part of of the huge extended family into which I married. <laughs> I like the fact that you put about your daughter Rebecca. I can't pronounce a lot, lot your last name. I do apologise. I I wouldn't even give it. I think it's Aaron Chog. Oh, I wasn't too far off. No, you weren't. Uh, I, I like the fact that you've mentioned um, of, uh, that she was full, uh, 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 selected for the fourth time as one of the most influential people in Africa. That's quite a thing to achieve. Yeah. Um, the first time it happened, I thought it was a fluke. But the fourth time? No, that is no fluke. She is a I mean, I, I'm, I'm presuming here that obviously, although you deal with a very serious subject, you have to have a outlet of some sort to sort of, uh, I'm not going to use the word escape because it's not a, nice, uh, not a fair word to use, but to sort of um, relax from the, the uh, to help, you know. You're making me sevelate over here. I'm going, oh, it sounds really nice. I really would rather them buy a cup because it takes a long time to come over here. So I'm going to have to buy the book now. Of the subject matter, and people, and people know there's a, there's a, the truth factor in it. Obviously, you had to 
because of fiction, and I know because of what I write myself, although you write about a true subject, sometimes you have to think, oh, I can't really say that. Yeah. Right. I think you do a wonderful job, Nancy. I, I admire you. It's not the easiest job in the world. And I can understand, I know how much determination you must have. Because I imagine you get a lot of, well, I was going to swear then, a lot of S-H-I-T. <laughs> and, um, and because of the people that you have to deal with. And I, I admire what you do and it, uh, keep doing it because... It's a subject that has to be brought out there, because it's still—it's a shame it still exists in the world we live today. It is frightening. Well, I thank you so much for this opportunity to help get the word out. Uh, just think, we may have saved a life today. Well, that's why I look at because I normally do like a neat sign-off before I go, but I thought I won't do that because of the subject matter. It's important that we get the message out there more than anything else. And I would like to say, I would like to add, yes, anybody who needs the help, please seek it. If you know someone else who's in the same situation, and you're thinking, oh, I don't, I, just talk to them. Just go out and say, look, don't do this. You know, think about where you're going. Um, t- give me a phone call every hour. Or, do you want me to go with you? Or, you know, all these, like you say, all these little things that help, do them, you know. Well, that's a philosophy you have to have, Nancy. That's a philosophy I had when I was in care work. If I could help one person in that day, I've achieved something. Because you can't help everybody. It's impossible. You just can't do it. Right, right. So I'd like to thank you for giving me your time of day. I appreciate you turning up, and I appreciate the subject matter. That It's a powerful subject. I hope people listen. I hope they do something about it. And I hope somewhere in the government, somewhere is thinking, oh, my God, we have to clamp down on this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, God bless you. What do you say to you? Thank you.